Sports Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. John McClain, Houston Chronicle, in just a moment. First, our play by play call of the day from the archives. On a slot left. Washington outside left. Roethlisberger. Pass time. Throws to the back of the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. To the corner of the end zone. Does he get both feet down? Left definitely. Did the right tap as well. With control. He had that control both feet down. After review, the receiver controlled the football, came down on both toes, inbounds, touchdown. Actually sounds like a current Sunday night football broadcast with Al Michaels and Terry McCauley explaining the call. Uh, there you go. There's a slice of history, the Steelers' uh, Super Bowl victory over the Arizona Cardinals. And with that, we bring in John McClain, Good friend of the show, great writer, Houston Chronicle. John, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well, and I hope you and your family are doing well. We are. Thank you. Good. Uh, Bill O'Brien makes the deal where he sends DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. Uh, What were your thoughts when you saw that that deal was being consummated? Steve, I thought there was a chance that Hopkins can be traded. They've been down here talk about it for over a year. Uh, Now, O'Brien had turned down overtures in the past. New England offered a number one pick two years ago. I think New England, when it was trying, when they Patriots signed Josh Gordon one year, didn't work out. Tried to bring in Antonio Brown last year, didn't work out. They've been offered number one picks. Texas said no. I assume they were trying to get a receiver from other teams as well. You saw that. So this year, when Hopkins has three years left on his contract, we all knew that he wanted a new deal. When he signed the five-year extension in 2017, he received $49 million guaranteed, more than any uh, receiver in NFL history. So he was due to make $12.5 million this year, $13.5 next year, and about 14 in the last year of the deal. And they weren't going to redo a contract with three years left. They only did that once in franchise history, and that was for Andre Johnson, who had signed a bad deal because he had bad representation. So they redid it with three years left. They redid J.J. White with two years left. They've never done another player with more than one year left. That's their philosophy. That's what led to Dwayne Brown, him holding out in 2017 and enforcing a trade to Seattle because they wouldn't do it with more than one year left. So Hopkins wanted it done for three. We all assumed we weren't going to see him till the start of the season after we saw him after the Kansas City playoff loss. It was understood, but I, was, I wasn't so surprised they traded Hopkins, but what they got, trading him and not getting a first-round pick, trading him to Arizona, getting running back David Johnson, a two this year, a four next year, and then having to throw in one of their fours this year, And as you can imagine, Steve, Bill O'Brien, a coach and general manager, has been getting just eviscerated among the fans and the media in Houston, of course, as well as nationally for making a bad deal. And that people saw what Buffalo got, a number one 
and multiple picks for Stephon Diggs, who's not as good as DeAndre Hopkins. And people are like, well, Bill O'Brien's an idiot. And the only thing I can think of on that is they didn't want to trade him in the AFC. But uh, it's been an unbelievable controversy here, as you can imagine, because they're not a better team. They don't have as good an offense. Right now, their, their, best, their top three receivers are Will Fuller, who's really good when he can stay healthy. But he's always hurt. Missed five games last year. Kenny Stills came here in the Laramie Tunsil trade, caught 40 passes, averaged 14.1 yards, four touchdowns. So as a third receiver, he did a good job. And then they signed Randall Cobb from the Cowboys. He had played there one year after eight with Green Bay. He's coming off career high 15.1 yards a catch but he's a slot receiver he had 55 catches 800 yards if they could get that of him they would be happy and they're going to have to use the 40th overall pick they got from Arizona to get a receiver fortunately for them it's a good year for receivers last year there's some really good receivers taken in the second and third round but right now that new guy he better have thick skin Steve because his name will always be invoked with DeAndre Hopkins, the second best receiver in this team's history. And not only that, but I mean, uh, but this is what the third running back that Houston has traded for in eight months? Yeah, they traded. They wanted a third down back who could catch. They traded a compensatory three for Duke Johnson. He did really well. That was a good deal. Carlos Hyde. Uh, they had no interest in the back, and then Lamar Miller, their starter, going into his fourth year, blew out his ACL in a preseason game at Dallas. So they traded a guard they were going to cut to Kansas City for Hyde. Chiefs were going to cut Hyde. Hyde ended up rushing for more than a thousand yards for the first time in his career. They offered him a two-year deal at five million a year. He said no. We were astonished that a guy who's going to be thirty bounced around the NFL like he didn't didn't take a five million a year deal. And I think that was a huge mistake, so they moved on. And they really liked David Johnson. He didn't play last year much in Arizona because the new coach, Cliff Kingsbury, plays an offense not suited to him. He's a downhill runner. I think he'll come in and do well, but still, no matter how well he does, he's not a wide receiver. And even though he's an outstanding receiver out of the backfield, you know, they need somebody to replace Hopkins, and it's not going to happen. And they got two players here, well, two people, the most unhappy, they'll never say it. Deshaun Watson's too classy of a guy to say it was a bad deal, but you know he's right. devastated. And their offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, is calling plays for the first time, and he will yep. not have the go-to receiver for Watson, so that's made his job a whole lot more difficult. And I remember when Tim got his start here as a grad assistant for Bill here. He at did. Penn he's State. with his ninth year. With he's going into his ninth year with Bill O'Brien, so he can put up with Bill's temper tantrums and his <laughs> mood swings, and because he knows him here as well as anybody, except one assistant coach, John Perry, who's known O'Brien since the third grade. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Laramie Tunsil. Okay? Uh, obviously, he's involved in this indirectly in some ways. What are the pluses of having him on, on the roster, but in the end, the price to get him, what does that Texans do to the future? Texans have been uh, looking for a left tackle desperately since Dwayne Brown didn't show up in 2017. They tried different ones. It didn't work. They coveted Tunsil. 
They gave up Tunsil's just turned 25 when they traded for him. They gave up for Tunsil and Kenny Stills, two ones and a two. People here right. went ballistic. I have no problem with it because, number one, they would be picking 26 in the first round. They're not going to get a Laramie Tunsil 26 in the first round if Agreed. they wanted to get one of the top four tackles, none of whom were as highly rated coming out of college as Tunsil was. According to Pro Football Focus, they would have had to trade to move up into probably top ten. That's a lot of that's a lot of capital to move up that high. So I think Tunsil, he solved their problem, played really well, except for too many far start penalties. Kenny Stills, uh, he played really well too. They would not have won the division. They wouldn't have won a playoff game without those two. And they're missing their number one. They got two twos, three, two fours, eight picks overall. Next year is when it'll hurt them because they won't have a one or a two. Which then brings up at some point, Tunsil has to get a long-term deal. And obviously the most important one is Deshaun Watson. So did in some small way, you know, we talk, you talked about the money that Hopkins you know, it's still had three years to go, and they don't want to do anything until there's two years left. In the end, was the idea of how many people do we have to pay come into play here? I'm sure it did, Steve. They're, they weren't going to set a precedent for doing three years. When they did J.J. Right. Watt with two years, Dwayne Brown came in and said, I won't buy it. They said, you're not J.J. Watt. He didn't show up, forced to trade. Anytime you do a deal like that, agents for other teams are waiting. Watt's got two years left on his. I'm sure he'd like to... Uh, get a new deal as well, but he's not going to get one coming off of the injury plague season. And But they want to re-sign uh, Watson, who has two years left. Then they could franchise him two years after that, so they could keep it four years before it would be a big issue, but they want to sign him to an extension this offseason. Tunsil has one year left. They could franchise him a couple of years, keep him for three. They don't want to do that. They should have, Steve, before they made the trade for Tunsil, negotiated a new contract. But they told his agent, Jimmy Saxton, who had a good relationship with, we will get this done. And now Tunsil has fired Sexton and doesn't have another agent yet and had surgery for a torn labrum after the season. He's supposed to be fine by training camp, but still – He's going to be the highest-paid offensive lineman in history. He'll probably make around $18 million a year, and they know it. So even if they did want to redo Hopkins, uh, they, I don't think they could. Having him for 12 and a half instead of 18 to 20, right. that's a big difference when you're trying to sign three guys who are going to be paid handsomely. And also inside linebacker Zach Cunningham, they're trying to sign him to an extension as well. In your opinion, what kind of job did Rick Smith do? And I mean, circumstances, you know, outside of you know, family issues, kept him from continuing on in the job. But what kind of job did he do, and how well did he work with Bill? Uh, well, nobody works really well with Bill O'Brien. Well, they haven't in the past, Gerald Majors, because his personality is he wants to be in charge, and now he's got it. He is. He is the coach and general manager. He hasn't had the general manager's title except last month, but he's had the responsibilities going to June last year when general manager Brian Gain was fired, and he went back to Buffalo. So Brian's been in charge since June, and uh, he's made a lot of deals. I call him Trader Bill. 
because he's always making <laughs> trades, and most of those trades have worked out well. Even Jadavion yeah. Clowney, they traded him to Seattle because they got in a big financial bind with him, and they got a three that they traded for corner Gary on Conley who starts. They got a, line, a outside linebacker, Jacob Martin, who had off the bench more sacks than Clowney had for Seattle. Then they got a special teams player. Uh, so it, they should have franchised him and traded him, or they should have kept him and taken a kept plate last year and then had a, uh, a compensatory three for losing him this year. And other deals that O'Brien's made, I haven't had a problem with them. I think O'Brien, the GM, before Hopkins, O'Brien at GM has done a better job than O'Brien at coach. You know, you can't blow a 24-point lead on the road in the playoffs with a chance to host an AFC championship game if indeed uh, and still think people think you did a good job as a coach. So uh, this stuff right now, Bill O'Brien, he is getting murdered here by everybody. And the only way he will ever be able to justify the DeAndre Hopkins trade is if they go farther than they did this past season and they reach the second round of the playoffs. And that means they'd have to go to the AFC Championship game for the first time in team history. Right, exactly. What's it like in the city? Because, I mean, Houston loves its sports. I mean, you know, with with the Rockets and Harden and Westbrook and with the Astros and the craziness that was happening there. And now this, what's it been like in Houston right now? The uh, Because the Astros dominated the news for so long and Astros are so beloved here and people, yeah, they don't like that they got caught cheating in 2017. But, you know, fans are like parents. Yeah, he did wrong, but he's my son. She did wrong, but she's my daughter. So right. that's the way they've done it here. And the fact that if you, because of social media, people think the Astros were cheating the last three years. And I tell them this, when I've done talk shows, I said, did you believe Rob Manfred's investigation? They cheated in 2017. And they said, well, of course I did. I said, then why don't you believe his investigation that they did not? in 2019 and they never have an answer I said if they were cheating would they have lost four home games in the World Series first time a team's had that in history and uh, so people here think yeah they they cheated in 2017 but you know the truth is Steve that World Series championship is tarnished it's tainted everybody in the organization's tainted it's so funny the fans boo them like crazy in, in the exhibition games and spring training and yet all their players on that 2017 team are with other teams and they're a lot of they're getting standing ovations. Right. Exactly, because you and I both know how that's how it works. I mean, that's that's, you know, it's, that's it's just my fans. guy. Right? He's my guy. <laughs> okay, change uniforms. Exactly. He's now my guy. <laughs> John, it is always a pleasure. We look forward to talking to you very soon as well. Thank you so much for your Steve, valuable time. Steve, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Stay safe. You too, my friend. John McClain, Houston Chronicle. We will come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Baird uh, called the show in what the first half hour John Rothstein uh, tweeted this out today in fact uh, tweeted it out uh, just uh, a few minutes ago the NCAA is unlikely to grant an extra year of eligibility for student athletes who participate in winter sports and had their seasons cut short due to coronavirus. An extra year of eligibility is still in play for student-athletes involved with spring sports. So again, uh, according to John Rothstein, his sources say, quote, the NCAA is unlikely to grant an extra year of eligibility for student-athletes who participated in winter sports and had their seasons cut short due to the coronavirus uh, outbreak. An extra year of eligibility, though, is still in play for student-athletes involved in spring sports. So that is, in fact, that was almost verbatim the answer I gave to Baird in the first half hour. So that's consistent with what we were saying. And uh, so that's the story here. Um, I wish, Steve, that the winter athletes would get that last year of eligibility back just be, so they can have the chance to compete in the postseason. But I, I kind of see that being a gray area, too, because they technically did complete the season. They just don't get a chance to play in the postseason in their final year. But the Springs right. athletes should, without a doubt, get a, another year of eligibility. Yeah, they were – I mean, they were just starting. I mean, the, really – I mean, for example, let's take uh, baseball and softball, and it's probably the same at Bucknell. Bucknell, I mean, probably – same Bucknell's as here at Penn State. The home season for Penn State baseball is supposed to start today. I mean, they hadn't played a home game yet. Bucknell hadn't played a home game yet. Correct. And there still was two to two and a half months remaining in the respective seasons. Let's just say conservatively two months, you know, which takes us to May 18th. So it would make sense. You just have to work out. Uh, how the scholarship works. I mean, that's what you have to work out is the scholarship part. How does that work? 
and then we'll you know then you go from there. Uh, winter sports, I expect. Like I said, I told Barrett, I expected that uh, that they would not uh, do that for the winter sports. I mean, plus, there'd be a lot of seniors in winter sports. I mean, let's face it. Uh, let's just look at different guys. I don't know if Lamar Stevens would come back for another year. I mean, he threw everything he had into this year. I don't know if Mike Watkins would come back for another year. Uh, would Nate Sestina go back for another year at Kentucky? You know, I'd just say no point, on that too. At some point, you want you know you want to move on with your life. Let's take, for example, Maryland. Not just Anthony Cowan, but look at Jalen Smith, for example. Uh, Jalen Smith's probably he's a sophomore, but he's probably going to enter the NBA draft. I mean, there are guys that want to now enter the NBA draft and start getting that part of their game and their life going. Would Cassius Winston come back for another year? Can't picture it. I, I, I just, I, there would be some guys that would do it. And there would be some guys who, by the way, would want to do it. But maybe told that, hey, there's no room at the end and they may have to transfer, get into the transfer portal. It's also something that's interesting that has happened so far in all this. Have you noticed that there have been very few names entered into the transfer portal so far? I know Wichita State in basketball had five players go in, but I I still see a lot of guys coming back. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Brought to you by our great friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us today. And uh, we'll get an update here from Matt as to what's going on. We always want to make sure that that gets to the front all the time. Yeah, and this, Steve, is not good news. Um, The Wolf Administration just announced uh, and and confirmed its first COVID-19-related death. It's an adult from Northampton County. That individual was being treated at a hospital. Uh, Disease Control and Prevention Acts protect the right to privacy and confidentiality of Pennsylvanians. So at this time, there's not really any additional information. So Wolf Administration confirming its first COVID-19-related death in Northampton County. Okay. And uh, obviously our... Deepest condolences to the friends and family of that individual. All right. Um, something we were talking about in the opening half hour. And it was an article written by Ryan Hockensmith. I know Ryan. and Ryan does a great job. And in the article, it was talking about Iowa wrestling. And it says no NCAA title, no problem. Why I, you know, and it's, usually it's this time of the year where you get on ESPN.com any article on wrestling. Now Ryan didn't write this. This was a quote in here. 
And the quote was as follows, and and I want to get into this a little bit because obviously we have a huge wrestling following here in the Valley. And they're talking about Iowa's chance at running the table, being unbeaten in the dual meet season, being Big Ten champs and NCAA champs. And they said, and Christian Piles, who's the managing editor of flowwrestling.org, well-respected, said this in the article about Iowa. Said they were going to win the NCAAs. And look, after watching how they performed in the Big Ten, I don't think that's a far-fetched statement. All right? So I don't think that's a far-fetched statement. Um, and he says... Um, they were going to win the NCAAs, and it was realistic that they'd have all 10 guys be All-Americans. Now, whether that's true or not, I'm not in a position to say. But after the way they wrestled in the Big Tens, saying they were going to win the NCAAs, or let's face it, they were the heavy favorite to do it, realistic. He then said it was the kind of team in season we rarely see. Okay, no offense to Christian Piles of FloorWrestling.org. Where have you been the last few years? Penn State's won eight of the last nine, and look at the wide margins by which Penn State's won, especially in the last couple of years. Here is the difference. They're talking about... Iowa wrestling was back and as good as ever. That's how he ended it, which that's fine. That's his opinion. Okay? And obviously we're talking about Iowa as a wrestling blue blood, so there's where the excitement of the moment comes from, that a blue blood is back. Kind of article you would expect to be written if Nebraska football ever came back. All right? Here's the problem with this. Number one, it was the kind of team in season we rarely see. No, the last couple of years in particular have been the kind of seasons we rarely see. Penn State has not only had wins and winners, but many of them are dynamic in how they win David Taylor won two national titles. He was dynamic when he wrestled. That's why he was nicknamed the Magic Man. Dynamic, exciting, go for it. Ed Ruth, I believe Ed won three straight national titles. Ed Ruth was exciting and dynamic to watch wrestle. Jason Nolfe, exciting style of wrestling, go for it. Anthony Kassar wrestled heavyweight like he was a 174-pounder, won the national title. I haven't even gotten yet to Bo Nickel. Now, I know Mark Hall has 40 pins in his career, I know that, but Mark always strikes me as more of the Look, he's a great technician. There's a lot of 7-4 wins and so forth. But Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel? There's enough Bo Nickel in the Iowa roster. 
There isn't a David Taylor in the Iowa roster. There isn't even a there isn't even a Jason Nolf in the Iowa roster. And Anthony Kassar. This isn't. There isn't an Ed Ruth on that roster. They're all really, really good Iowa. I mean, really, really good technical wrestlers. Marinelli obviously is 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 tremendous. I mean, Vincenzo Joseph threw a couple of moves on him that the average, that the above average, the above average wrestler in the Big Tens, the above average wrestler would have been down and out for the count. And Marinelli, to his credit, countered both of those big moves. He's the only guy in the country who could do it. So in terms of the technical ability of the Iowa wrestlers, it's great. But Iowa wrestling, the way they wrestle, and look, I, and I've talked about this many times, so please, I am never going to be critical of anybody figuring out a way to win. In the early 2000s, I watched Wisconsin play basketball. We referred to it as football on wood. But it was the best way they could figure out to win, and they did. We In football, some teams are great defensively, great special teams. They try to keep the offense in such a way where, you know what, let's not get too dynamic here, let's not turn it over, let's not get too adventurous. We'll take advantage of opportunities. That's fine. Everybody needs to figure out their way to win. How do you win? It's the job of the coaching staff. Look at the talent, look who you're facing, figure out how to win. Iowa has done that in wrestling, especially in this particular year. After being frustrated year after year after year by Penn State, finally get to the point where an attrition rate happened with Penn State. They built to this moment. They deserve that. That's great. But the statement that I sit back and go, you've got to be kidding me, it was the kind of team and season we rarely see. No, we've seen this kind of season before where the team that does not that is really, really good but does nothing to advance the sport. That's Iowa. They do nothing, they do nothing to advance the sport. Penn State is out because again, when I'm talking about advancing the sport, we had remember we had calls on this last year when I said the NCAAs were dull. Remember that, Matt? I said it's really kind of dull. I, oh, you don't understand the subtleties. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to the person that's like really into it. Look at the subtleties of it. Oh, what do you want? The subtleties of of UCLA cuts. But I here's the thing. For you. It, it was it was dull because Penn State was dominating everybody, which makes the, makes this article it, make less sense. Well, it was dull because like there was a lot of like two ones, four twos, four three. You know what I mean? There wasn't scoring. It wasn't like nickel, like going for the big move. Boom, Martin's got him, and then nickel. Where was that? Now, I realize we got the best against the best. Sometimes this can happen because it's talking about how Marinelli counters. All right, beautiful. But the subtleties keep the, the, the fan, quote, fanatic, okay, the fan of the sport always engaged. No matter what, that fan is always going to be there. I said, you don't understand the Celtics. I'm not talking to you. You're always going to be there. 
How do you get 50,000 people into a dome to watch it? You do that by getting the casual fan excited about what's going on. How do you get 110,000 at Beaver Stadium? They aren't all diehard fanatics. What's happened over the years is Penn State football has been so exciting, dynamic, winning, experience, event, the whole thing, that now you've got all these diehards in combination with casual fans that say, hey, I love Penn State football, you know? I mean, I really may not know much about uh, you know, who Iowa's quarterback is, but I love Penn State football. I'll go to a football game. Basketball. All right? Boy, I don't really know much about Michigan State, but boy, Lamar Stevens is incredible. I'm going to go to the basketball game. They're playing great. You know, they score like 75 points a game. I'm going. So you get the casual fan engaged, and it swells your numbers. Iowa style of wrestling wins. It wins in this particular year. Penn State grows the sport. Kale Sanderson grows the sport. David Taylor grows the sport. Ed Ruth grows the sport. Bo Nickel grows the sport. Jason Nolf grows the sport. Anthony Kassar, how he wrestled last year, a heavyweight wrestling like a, like a middleweight, grows the sport. Exciting, dynamic, moves, action, quickness. The ability to risk instead of always being conservative. Iowa wrestles conservatively. It works. They win with it. So I, I say thumbs up to that. But my complaint is not how Iowa wrestles. It's this line. It was the kind of team in season we rarely see. We've seen this before. We've seen teams win and be boring doing it. Iowa's boring the way they do it. They does not advance the ball down the field for the sport. Penn State, the way they wrestle, dynamic, exciting. They are the show everywhere they go. They're the show everywhere they go. Because they're dynamic. I, that's that's why I don't know I didn't agree with that one sentence and I'm not putting down in any way shape or form how many times have I said you got to do what it, what it takes to win well that's what Tom Brands and Iowa was doing with their wrestling I mean does anybody disagree with me about this You can also call and agree. <laughs> you want to make me feel better? <laughs> Just I disagree with that that one sentence. Everything else I'm fine with. But we it's the kind of season we rarely see. We've been watching this over and over and over again here in State College. Over and over and over again. Ay. All right. We'll take a break. Yeah, it's a great sport. The TV ratings for it are better than ever. 
It's no surprise that three of the top five dual meets ever on BTN involve Penn State. Three of the top five ever involve Penn State. We'll come back with more in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. How's everybody doing today? Hanging in there? Hopefully we've made a life at least a little more bearable for you. Uh, obviously tough times, but we've tried to roll out guests and try to make this as fast-moving and entertaining as possible while also delivering information to you. If anything comes up, we obviously defer to that right away. Patrick Chambers will be on the show tomorrow. So we will talk with him. We're also uh, also going to, you know, I mean, Matt's out there. He's trying to dip into the Philly connections. And, I mean, exactly we got, we right. More, you know, you got your Philly guys on tomorrow. That's right. Tim McManus of ESPN. He'll be on the show tomorrow. Then we're going to go with another Philly guy. You know who that is? Pat no. Chambers. Wow. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Of course. Get Get to another Philly guy. Come on. <laughs> ah, no. You haven't been the same since they legally told you you could miss church. All right, so <laughs> it is a little disappointing. I just hope I just hope that I just hope we're back for Easter, but I'm not sure. Well, you know what? We'll see. Let's just see how the next couple three weeks plays out here. Exactly right. right. Yeah, it's um, it is easy to be pessimistic. Um, but that also, you know, but I look at South Korea and I see how South Korea's turned the corner. You know, yeah, I see how point. South Korea. I've seen how South Korea, and again, I'm not. With all due respect, I'm going to trust what South Korea says over everybody else. They're more in line philosoph- philosophically with us. You know, where the, the information, the data they have is you feel like there's a reliability to it. How about that? There's a reliability to the data South Korea has. And I see what, what they're doing. And the more I see what they're doing, holds out some hope. So let's just see. Until then, we're going to entertain you with everything we've got. We've got more guests tomorrow. And then on Friday, when the King is with us, we're going to have... Uh, we also have uh, some pro football focus talk as well that we're going to have later in the week. Talking about this incredible week that's gone on in the NFL with pro football focus. And... Then we're going to start transitioning to the draft. And we're going to get into some items, for example, um, we haven't put in the request yet because I'm going to give it a couple weeks, but we're going to to work to get James Franklin on the show and talk about what, uh, because Baird brought up in his very thoughtful phone call early on, some really good questions. Yeah, and then I, we expanded upon it. He talked about the workout schedule and so forth. 
then we talked about the nutritional aspect. And it's one thing in talking with Kayla Martin, who was the team nutritionist. She was telling me, and this is a few months ago, we were doing a TV feature on what she does with nutrition at Penn State for all athletes, and we did the interview in the nutrition bar in the Lash Building, just adjacent to the weight room. And Sean Clifford came by at that point, just when we were wrapping up the interview. And he was over there making uh, his meal for lunch. And she said to me, she see, now that she said, that's what we're looking for. He says, we're seeing so many players now come over, and they don't even have to ask us what to get. They're making the right choices. And now it's become habit forming that they've made the right choices. The ability to stay in shape and to eat right is going to be more critical than ever for the fall student athlete. Now, you want to say that for the winter student athlete as well and the spring student athlete, but they do have an opportunity at some point to bounce back. Fall student athlete has to keep themselves on track because, again, at this time, today would have been the first day of spring practice for Penn State. So they were going to have 15 practices, with the 15th being the blue-white game on April 18th at Beaver Stadium, where they were going to do a lot of running. The one area that they have not had, and you've heard about all the testing. We had Dwight Galt on the show last week about all the testing that they've done. Well, the one test they haven't done is 40s. And the reason they wanted, and this is a philosophy they put in a couple of years ago, they usually wait till after the spring is over with to do 40s because guess what they spend time doing for a month running so after doing all the lifting and the agility and so forth because i've been to winter workouts so i see the agility and the running that they do do along with the power but there's a lot of sprinting that's involved in a practice session and that sprinting then gets you into the mode so that it will give you the best chance to crank out your best 40 time possible. So that you like to do that after spring practice is over with. Well, you're not going to have that. This time around, there isn't a spring practice, which means you're not running. Well, if you're not running, yeah, you can now see the dominoes here. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.